Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured and pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is a Monday, and as we mentioned last week, we have got the entire crew together now on Mondays as we are switching the schedule up a little bit. Dennis is here, as is Matt, who is usually with me, and we are going to recap the NFL draft. We finished up the draft on Saturday. A lot of very interesting picks over the uh Friday and Saturday draft days. Uh, some very interesting players we thought would uh, go earlier, went late, vice versa. So we're going to talk about that. What the NFL draft capital may mean to us in the fantasy community, and we will finish it out with a two-round mock draft. See how players may have shifted for us as we just did a mock draft last week before the draft. So we will uh, we'll kind of see how maybe players have shifted for us after we finally found their landing spots. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this beautiful Monday? I am, I'm feeling a little melancholy. So my 10-year-old son is in his first Dynasty League startup. It's the kid's first Dynasty League. I've been sharing about it on Twitter. And, you know, he plays Madden and a couple other video football games. Doesn't watch a ton of football with me, but he feels like he's got a pretty good knowledge for a 10-year-old. And so it's a one-quarterback league. Uh, 12 teams, startup draft, hit Justin Jefferson at the 108. Man, that was his dude. He was like spot on, got it. And then second round, you know, we were having talks about position scarcity uh, and, you know, the big three tight ends and and what, to, you know, do you want to go for one of the big tight? He decided second round, he went for George Kittle at the 205. I'm like, that's okay. I'm I'm down with that. Well, then we're like, working on what what's the third round look like and, and here's what i did so i printed out a set of rankings for him and i'm like all right well this mark here is kind of where his draft pick is and then i put a line at the end of each round so he could get an idea here's here's each by round according to these rankings here's where your pick is you know this will give you an idea about valuation and as we were driving home from the cub scout camp out on sunday I had him go through and like, who are some guys you like? If you could just pick guys to put on your team and kind of start to mark them and then start to look at them and, you know, do you think at this range, you know, I think Mixon is going to have a better year than a lot of people believe. Could he return third round startup value, which right now I, I think uh, there's probably been 
he is, he's probably RB 12 or 13 in this league. That it's possible he could, it's not out of the range of possibilities, but I really feel like, you know, yeah, I had to let him go and do this. I can't just, I'm not going to pick the players for him as much as I wanted to say, no, Mixon will be there in the fourth, maybe even the fifth. So we picked Mixon at the 308. But I'm great. How are you guys? Doing a little better than uh, that. Started vacation today, so that was nice. All right. Sweet. Very nice. I cannot wait for mine, man. I, I need it, it's. I, I'm so burnt out. I need my vacation so bad, so bad, and it's not coming anytime soon. And as you know, it's not one of those vacations where it's actually like a vacation where you just get to relax. It's going to be, I think, just as much work and and just probably as horrible. Um, that's true. Anybody can outdraft me, you know. I got, I got, I got a question for you guys. So, Austin, since you're watching, I had no idea about this. I just found out. Um. I'm in a C2C startup where we're drafting off of spreadsheets because Fantrax isn't open. It's one of the very few places that you can uh, do college football stuff. And so we're, but we're doing our NFL side on the sleeper app and I don't pay attention much to the sleeper app. Like I don't go in there and look at the chats and everything. I, I have the notifications off mostly because during the NFL season, for those of you who have them on, you'll know that they send out the stuff sometimes before something happens. And if I'm watching the game, on you know uh, NFL Sunday ticket or red zone, I don't want to know what happens beforehand. I like to be you know or organically surprised. You know, I want to be oh hey score touchdown. Not I knew that thirty seconds ago because sleeper just told me. If you're drafting on a sheet and you're putting your player in, does that not tell you on the sheet who the player is that that said person drafted? Like Dennis, if you have to go into a sheet and put, hey, I drafted Austin Jones from Stanford with whatever pick, it's on there, right? So when you go into the sheet, you can clearly see that. and It's very beautifully laid out on a draft board and everything too. Why do you then need to go into Sleeper and input your pick so that everybody else can see it? Take your lazy ass to the draft board to see who I picked. You just need to know that you're on the clock. I don't need to put in five different places who I drafted so that you guys can see it and then discuss it. And I guess people are upset because I refuse now to go into sleeper and post my pick in there in this draft. Now I'm just doing it a spite because I don't care. Like I'm, I'm like, no, if you want to look, you can go to the damn sheet like I do to see who, because I'm not going to the, to the chat to find out who people are drafting. I'm going into the sheet. Yes, I know people hate you, Austin. I've, I've, I haven't been on Twitter much today, but I've seen the discussions from Giants fans. You know, which is funny. I don't really know what you said. Um, I mean, like, I don't feel like what I said was bad about Kadarius Tony, but I've seen, well, let's just get into the draft. We'll start with Kadarius Tony, and then we'll actually go back to the quarterbacks. He was probably the biggest surprise first-round pick for everybody here. It was for me. I shouldn't, I guess, assume for you guys. You know, I know there's a lot of buzz about him going early. I thought probably second round. Uh, him going over Elijah Moore and then where he went was kind of surprising for me. My biggest thing is I don't know if he's really a complete wide receiver yet. And everybody talks about, well, he can do so much in the offense. He can be used in so many different facets of the game. And then this is the tweet I sent out. What gives anybody any kind of hope or promise that Jason Garrett is going to be able to scheme things for Kadarius Tony when he was having like Evan Ingram of all players doing end rounds last year? So whichever one of you wants to go on Kadarius Tony, and if you both want him to say something, then we'll move on to the quarterback. Well, I mean, he definitely 
went much higher than I think we would have thought. He was the fourth receiver taken off the board going to the Giants there at pick 20. I thought it was surprising for a few reasons. He wouldn't have been the receiver I would have taken that high. But also, I really don't understand what the Giants are doing. I guess, you know, I know we've debated about when we've done mock drafts all this time. Everybody had receiver as a need on their draft board, which I sort of assumed was what happened at the end of the regular season, you know, before you go through free agency where they signed John Ross and Kenny Galladay and, you know, added Kyle Rudolph to muck up tight end. I'm like, well, they can't, you know, they can't really be thinking they need another receiver, but no, they, they went and take Tony. So, you know, this probably speaks to Dennis draft capital argument. I, I did move him up in my, final, uh, you know, in my post-draft wide receiver rankings because he went at pick 20 in the first round. I also think it knocks Galladay down a little bit, probably hurts Slayton and Shepard. My bigger question, you know, Jason Garrett's a fine question, but also what are we going to see from Daniel Jones? They didn't have the most robust passing offense Last year, it seems like through free agency in the draft, they're saying it's because they needed a bunch more receivers. I guess we'll see if that's true. Well, I I don't I'm not personally surprised that Tony went in the first round. You saw a lot of mocks by a lot of the bigger names in the draft industry were mocking Tony in the last ten picks of the first round. So the fact that he went in the first round, maybe a few picks earlier than than uh, we would have expected isn't necessarily surprising. Probably wide receiver six, I think, would have been more of an expectation versus wide receiver four. But the draft capital was only surprising from the perspective that you looked at mock drafts and said, I just don't believe it. There were enough of them out there that at some point you had to go, all right, I'm seeing guys like, I I don't remember specifically who had him in there, but guys like Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks and all of these bigger, a bunch of bigger names were mocking Kadarius Toney in the first round. So if we sit here and go, you know, I'm not an insider, but I think that's crazy and I just won't believe it, even though I've seen seven talking heads on TV do it. at, At some point, if we don't just accept that that's, a legitimate possibility, then shame on us. So regardless of what we feel about the uh, improvements Tony has to make to be a well-rounded wide receiver, you know, he's got first-round draft capital. I think Kenny Galladay is safe. As long as he's healthy, I think Galladay's volume is going to be safe. But Shepard and Slayton and even uh, Ingram, for that matter, that's where Tony's targets are coming from. I think Galladay will get his 115, 120 targets. Uh, he's clearly the the wide receiver one there. I think they'll gadget with Tony some. They'll uh, see what he does. I'm not sold on the uh, imagination of Jason Garrett as an offensive coordinator. So I, unless for some reason – the return of Saquon Barkley just makes that team, you know, four or five wins better. And by extension, makes Garrett 
seem like he's better at being an offensive coordinator. It wouldn't surprise me that if they struggle that, you know, uh, Joe Judge chooses Jason Garrett as the fall guy for a mediocre offense. All right, so let's talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, We saw the top two go exactly kind of where we thought they were going to with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Trey Lance, though, was someone we had talked about going to San Francisco. We heard all the reports really kind of seemed to be building toward that as we got closer to the draft. Uh, But some people obviously still thought it would be Mac Jones. Mac Jones goes to New England, which is really kind of the perfect landing spot for him. It's something we had all discussed prior to the San Francisco news. Like, hey, New England would be the perfect place for him to go. Justin Fields, though, does drop all the way to Chicago, who then jumps – or Chicago jumps up and grabs him. I think we spent a lot of time talking about Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson because we've known kind of where they were going to go and they were so locked into for so long. Just a real quick thoughts on Trey Lance to San Francisco, uh, Fields and Mac Jones, because we'll obviously discuss a little bit more when we get to the mock draft, if that's changed anything. But quick thoughts on those three, Dennis. You know, I'm still not a, a Zach Wilson fan. Uh, the Dynasty Nerds released their podcast early this week. Rich is all – all about Zach Wilson being a Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield type of quarterback, kind of has some of that wild streak in his game. I, I don't know. I, I think that the Jets, if the Jets had worked this hard to put offensive linemen and weapons around Sam Darnold, they probably wouldn't have been picking at number two. But that's neither here nor there now. I, I still have Wilson probably is my QB four. Uh, I like Justin Fields as QB2. I won't be surprised one bit if Fields is the week one starter. And I, I won't be surprised if they let uh, Andy Dalton start a couple games while they get get the trust uh, that Fields can handle it and see that, well, Dalton really does have an empty tank. Uh, I think Lance, uh, it, was, it was out there on Twitter today that uh, they were talking about that San Francisco felt like Lance was the smartest quarterback of all of them, that he got it the best. I I don't know. I, I like Lance's ability. I, I've said before, he's he's to me, he's kind of a, a little bit more athletic Steve McNair. So and we know McNair was a winner. And it won't surprise me one bit if Lance is a you know a rushing threat but only, you know, completing 200 to 250 yards worth of passing per game because the 49ers have a great rushing offensive scheme uh, and they're going to and they have an outstanding defense. They don't need to play catch up. It's it's a situation where they can be conservative with their quarterback. Uh, I feel like they'll keep Garoppolo around this year. It doesn't make sense for them to trade him because even if they say we're going to start Lance week one, having a veteran backup is definitely much better than having a non-veteran backup. But I still have them, Lawrence Fields, Lance, Wilson, Jones. Yeah, and I think for me, probably the – you know, I still have Lawrence and Fields uh, one and two. Uh, I actually thought the Chicago landing spot was was pretty good. What was more interesting to me is the report that came out today that Minnesota was looking at trying to get uh, fields and just yep. didn't pull the trigger fast enough to get up where Chicago did. I have, you know, I've said 
Moses that I feel like Kirk Cousins' time in Minnesota is short or they're looking for ways to move on. And the fact that they were trying to put together something to move up to get Justin Fields sort of confirms that for me. I, that would have been a, a worse landing spot for 2021, but possibly a better landing spot overall. It's hard to say. Chicago, big year for Chicago. Um, yep. I, you know, I like some of their weapons, but we don't know what happens with their – head coach and their GM, they probably pinned a lot of their fortunes to Justin Fields and Andy Dalton. So one of those was a good person to pin a fortune to. Well, uh, I think with, with, with Nagy, you know, he got the job because he was creative as an offensive coordinator. Yeah. But, you know, Monet could only do so much with crayons before he moved on to watercolors. So, I think that Andy Dalton, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, those are crayons. You know, Justin Fields is watercolors. We could potentially see Nagy go, now I finally have the brush that I need. Let me make some real art here. Which is probably why, if they're smart, Fields starts week one. And Andy Dalton, who thought he signed for a chance to be a starter again, is really well backup. I heard a lot of people talking about this, and I don't know if maybe they're just making too many correlations to what happened in Kansas City, but the fact that Nagy was there when Patrick Mahomes sat for a year uh, behind Alex Smith and then got the start, my problem or my issue with that statement is Alex Smith had been a starter for a long time and a damn good one, one that was and getting them into team. the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nothing against Andy Dalton, who I think is a – he is an average quarterback. I would think it's fair to say Alex Smith is better than him, or at least was at that point in time. Uh, to where I don't think that that's a fair correlation to make that, oh, well, because he was there and Alex Smith did this with Patrick Mahomes, that's what's going to do with Justin Fields. Because I do think while maybe now Nagy bought himself another year, I'm pretty sure we were all talking about him being on the hot seat last season. Yeah. And so now he got to keep his job and so did Pace. If they don't start winning games now, I can very easily see him getting fired, which does – I don't want to say worry me about Justin Fields. That's the one thing I always hate to see with these rookie quarterbacks. They come in, they learn a system, coaches then fire. Now they're learning a whole new system going into that next year. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Allen Robinson moving forward. I'm, I'm happy for him, though. It's by far the best QB he's ever had in his career, even going back to college. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what this offense can do. They've got a lot of really good weapons. You know, while I was talking to Nick Whalen, who obviously we both know from from who we've had on the show and just interactions on Twitter, uh, does the, um, uh, the 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 breakdown show for Dynasty Nerds with Jared Wackerly as well uh, on the YouTube channel. So Nick's a great guy and a big Bears fan. And we talked to him a little bit, bit about it, and he kind of echoed some of the same things I did, and that he's a little worried about Nagy there uh, just because we saw – we knew that Mitch wasn't that good of a passer, but if you used him in his legs, he could help kind of break things open, and Nagy refused to let Mitchell Trubisky use his legs. And so I'm worried if he'll try and box fields into one thing there. But I, I agree with you. It's, a, it's weird saying this because I think Minnesota – obviously they have Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith – I actually like the landing spot with Chicago a little bit more than if he would have gone to Minnesota. Maybe that's more of just what I think the play calling is. But as much as I love Kirk Cousins, I, I, I think, you know, if I was in Minnesota front office, I'd have been trying to move up to get fields too. And then you're right. They yeah. just didn't pull the trigger. So, well, I, I heard on Sirius XM today, and I can't remember if it was uh, John Hansen or, or Jeff Radcliffe. They were talking, Robert Griffin was doing draft analysis for somebody. Mm -hmm. 
uh, w- one of the the sites had former players kind of analyzing the position they played. Well, Griffin, who played with Kirk Cousins, basically said, a lot of shade. Right, right now, Kirk Cousins is mad. Kirk Cousins is upset. He goes, if they had drafted Davis uh, uh, Mills. Mil- Mills, yeah. If they had drafted Davis Mills, Kirk would be fine because Davis Mills is the same type of quarterback. He goes, but they drafted Kellen Mond in a much earlier than a lot of people expected Mond to get drafted. But Mond, they drafted, and he does all of the things that Kirk can't. So right now, Kirk is pissed off. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't blame him. I, I want to say, I wish I could remember what else, uh, what else he said. He also said something else, not like very flattering about Kirk Cousins as well. But I'm wondering if that has just something to do with the fact that they were both drafted in the same draft class, and he ended up taking his job. Not, not any really fault of Robert Griffin's. I think the injuries were kind of his big downfall. Some of that came to to his seemingly kind of like unwillingness to slide or get down. Uh, let's go on to the running back position. Obviously, we saw the top three go um, probably pretty close to what I think we all expected them to go. You know, we talked about two going in the first round. Javante went really early in, in the second with Denver trading up to take him. Was there a running back that surprised you on the bad side, though, that just kind of fell or good either way that you want to go with Dennis that uh, got either – the draft capital you didn't expect in a good way, bad way. Was there a guy that you're now looking at that that changed or had changed your opinion on based on his landing spot draft capital? You're muted. Um, I, I don't think anybody really changed my opinion based on their draft capital. Um, it it, it, it kind of went sort of how we expected. Maybe Gainwell went a little bit later. Uh, I think a lot of people thought he might go late third, early fourth. Uh, but I mean, only what four, five, only four running backs went on the first two days. Two first. Days. Yeah. So that was an absurdly low number. Um, Probably the biggest surprise for me was Kene Nwanguwu out of Iowa State, I believe it was. Um, you know, maybe he's good, maybe he's not. I know he, he backed up, he basically has spent his whole career as the backup to David Montgomery and Brees Hall. Is that who's there now? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, Iowa State, yeah. Don't you think that was kind of a special teams pick too because the running back they lost in the offseason was Mike Boone who was a big special teams contributor yeah I mean but it it feels like that that almost feels a little bit early to go for a quote-unquote special teams guy I mean Madison is going into what his third year now maybe four I think so third year at least you know maybe they eye him as the backup to Dalvin long term uh they feel like they can let Madison move on. They know Madison isn't somebody that they want to let be Dalvin's successor. So they're going to keep Dalvin around while he, as long as they can. Um, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't a great draft. And I think people that, that our draft Knicks kind of know it, it wasn't a great draft. You know, fantasy guys weren't necessarily high. It's a shallow draft. There's a few elite players, uh, but then it it gets shallow pretty quick. Yeah, that's what I was 
that's probably my biggest takeaway. Running back gets ugly early. Uh, in terms of people who, um, you know, based on their where they were drafted, I got excited about and moved back up. Michael Carter, if you recall, when we were first discussing, I liked him a lot, but it seemed like other people didn't like him, so I ended up shifting him down. was excited to see where he went with the Jets there at the top of the fourth, and you'd say fourth round's not that great, but as we saw, running backs, only three went, or only four went in the first three rounds, so I thought that was that was pretty good, and he has a, a good opportunity. Um you know, Felix's guy, Ramondre Stevenson, I thought that was an interesting solid landing spot with the Patriots. Um, you could see him kind of being a bigger goal line back. I saw, if, you know, Felix mentioned the Garrett Blount, um, you know, so that's something I, I think with this running back group in this draft, you're probably just looking for opportunities, you know, taking a, a flyer. I don't think beyond the first three or uh, the first four, you're really taking anyone thinking they're going to be a surefire starter for you. Um, people that that slid a little bit, um, you know, I know we were interested to see where Chuba Hubbard goes. I don't think it was terrible going to the Panthers, but you feel like he's locked into a backup role, which if McCaffrey gets hurt, means he could see the field. If McCaffrey doesn't get hurt, we've seen guys in that role uh, do next to nothing. And then I know our guy, Jermar Jefferson, didn't even think he was going to get drafted, then gets snagged <sighs> yeah. by Detroit where – Don't love it. You know, they, at best, it. he's a backup. Yeah. I mean, in most other places, I think he'd have been fine. But that going there, that's uh, not, not a great landing spot. Uh, yeah. Well, Hub, not, go ahead. I, I think for Jefferson, it, it may be a sneaky landing spot. I know we're all about DeAndre Swift, but carry on Johnson – probably isn't going to be there after this year. Yeah. And and I think they they view uh Swift as the starter, but they're going to they're going to be looking for somebody to come in short yardage, pound the rock and, and so Jamar could, you know, he's got enough size that he could he could he's, get that that role. That's that's the one thing I I don't think he's great at is the yeah. he he a lot, and I love Jamar. There was a lot of times that he was getting taken down by like the first hit. I, he's got decent contact balance, but I didn't see him run over a lot of guys. It was more of like those running through arm tackles and everything. So I don't. I mean, I, I agree. I don't. I think he's there to be the carry on Johnson replacement when they move on from carry on. But I also believe in en- enough in Swift that I think he's just going to be. I mean, like 80% of the carries and catches, and Jamar comes in to spell Swift whenever they need him. So, and, and maybe I shouldn't say it's a bad landing spot for him because that's probably realistically what he was going to get. I had hoped that he would go to a team like a Miami or a San Francisco because there were all the rumors that Kyle Shanahan really liked him and that he may go to San Francisco. I'm like, okay, he could be one of the guys in the committee, and I liked his game enough to, to go there. So I'm with you, Matt, that one. Heard a little bit. I actually like the Chuba Hubbard landing spot. I tweeted this out uh, Saturday when it happened. I did a mock draft with Ray Garvin uh, back in like January, February. I can't remember. And that's where he actually said he thought Chuba Hubbard's like perfect landing spot would be because of the offense that they run and how he could be a perfect backup to Christian McCaffrey. So I do agree with you that that there's he he doesn't really have any fantasy value outside of that. But if McCaffrey goes down. We just saw what Mike Davis could be in fantasy. I mean, Chuba Hubbard, I think, is better than Mike Davis. So he could have a pretty high ceiling if McCaffrey goes down. 
Uh, we'll touch on the wide receivers really quick before we move on to the mock draft. Uh, you know, we obviously talked a little bit about Kadarius Tony. I was kind of surprised to see Elijah Moore fall into the second round. Uh, that one was was a little bit surprised, but I really thought the Titans would take him. And I don't – I a like Titan. but don't love <laughs> – oh, Titans screwed their whole draft up, I know. Uh, I, I like but don't love that he went to the Jets. I think the Jets are clearly building that offense around Zach Wilson, but I'm just not sure that was a great landing spot um, for Elijah Moore. Outside of that, I think just – Tutu Atwell in the second, Dwayne Eskridge in the second. I think teams are outthinking themselves a little bit here with the speed. You know, I mean, Anthony Schwartz was considered the fastest guy in this class, and the Browns got him in the third, I think, which is where I only, think he was. Only four rounds too early. Uh, I don't think about. I don't think that. I think he fits that off. He fits what I think they want him to do in that offense. So I, I don't hate the pick. I, I don't know. I would say it was early, but with we saw where we saw them getting all these other speed guys in the second round, I, I think that they got him probably where they needed to take him. Because if Tutu and Dwayne Eskridge were still on the board and they reached for Anthony Schwartz, I'd agree with you. Um, Tyler Wallace and Rashad Bateman, though, both going to Baltimore, both being like the same sort of player, sucks. Like, I, I thought if one of them went there, they could – be good there in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson because it brings them that possession receiver I think they need. Brings them someone else who can work in the middle of the field in short area like Mark Andrews does. But the fact that both of them went there, I don't love because now I don't know which one it's going to be every single week. My I would bet on Bateman because I think he's more talented. But I did like Tylen Wallace a lot as well. So th those were kind of the two for me that I hated seeing go both go to Baltimore. Dennis, you have any wide receivers, good or bad, uh, out of the draft? I, you know, I know a lot of people are high on Rondale Moore, and I just keep thinking, man, he's a good for football, but not good for fantasy guy. And going to Arizona, I, I expect that Christian Kirk will either get moved or cut probably, uh, and who knows what A.J. Green really has left in the tank. But I don't know that – I just don't know that Kingsbury can – make that offense work in the NFL like it did in college. So I, I feel like we're still looking at a you know, 150 targets for DeAndre Hopkins and then nobody else uh, at wide receiver really being much more than a flex play. So I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm okay being wrong there. Bateman and, and, and Wallace, yes, they're very similar. Um, and I feel like they're hedges. Bateman is a hedge against Wallace and the, the potential he could be injured. Uh, Wallace plays bigger than he is, and Bateman plays bigger than he is. And I think Wallace might be a hedge against Bateman um, being just good at stuff and not really great at anything. I think Bateman's a pretty good route runner, but he's going to need to uh, – I think he'll provide some safety for Lamar Jackson. And, and I expect this season that uh, Lamar's passing attempts are probably going to be higher, more than the 450 to 475, maybe even pushing 500. I think we're, we're getting out of that, you know, that 400, 420 range that we've seen. Um, I do think Lamar can be efficient. And so potentially, uh, you know, if he can get into that high 20s, low 30s again with the touchdowns, 
that could be real good for Lamar, and obviously it's good for those people catching those touchdowns. But yeah, I hey, feel like uh, one more guy. How many targets do you think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get this season? Is he going to lead the league yeah. in targets or what? I think the I, only person going to get more targets than Amon Ross St. Brown is A.J. Brown because there ain't nobody else there. Yeah, I love the landing spot for Amon Ross, especially if they move him into the slot like they're saying they will. Uh, I mean, the dude's going to be dude's going to be a beast. Yeah, now you're giving me uh, regrets because I was trying to decide earlier between Bateman and – Amon Ross St. Brown and ended up taking Bateman. Uh, I hear you. Look, well, you know what's worse about that actually is I'm in Dennis just told me I'm on the clock in, in the in the BRL. Uh and I was sitting at the, the board at so 16 teamer at two three. And all I did over this weekend was was hate on how much I don't think Terrace Marshall is a good wide receiver. And and I, I don't love the I, I think the landing spot's good for Carolina, but I just I'm not sold that he's gonna be and I, I was looking at it. I was like, man, I wonder if I could get him on Ross St. Brown. I have like a pick four picks later. And it's like, I wonder if I could get him. So I took Terrace Marshall and then I'm on Ross St. Brown. When I was like, fuck. Yeah. I mean, I like, I thought the Terrace Marshall landing spot is great. It's this, you know, guy who was his coordinator in college. Uh, I like that offense. I thought they had a really interesting pick with shy Smith in the sixth round. If he, gets in there, you know, some weapons. I like what they're they're building there. I feel like my biggest takeaway with receiver is after uh, the couple at the top, we talked about how deep the group is, and it is a deep group, but with where things were taken, I feel like it's a lot of toss-ups once you get past the, the top three where you're kind of just going to be sitting there and there's like three or four guys, and are you talking yourself into one? Or are you talking to your – I'm hoping with the number of drafts I do that I'll give myself a bunch of different options um, and not lock into too many, you know, individual players. Cause it's hard to tell who's going to hit. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I hate about, I've got a bunch of picks in this draft and again, 16 teamers. So it's kind of hard to predict who may go where. And I've not loved, I've not loved the way some of these players have fallen and, and you know, it's, I don't know. It's not fun. But anyways, let's let's jump into our mock draft. We will start with the 1-1, one, one, which Dennis has. Matt had this the first time, but I don't. Super flex draft. We're just going to do two rounds. I don't imagine this is going to change much. Matt went Trevor Lawrence with the first pick in the first mock draft. Dennis, where are you going? Well, as much as I'd love to go Justin Fields because I'm a Buckeye homer, I'm going Trevor Lawrence. You know, he, he's going to step in from day one. He is going to be the starter. Uh, you know, it'll come down to can't, does he get the protection he needs? DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, you know, Colin Johnson, they've got some weapons there. Uh, they could probably stand to beef up the tight end. James Robinson and Travis Etienne at running back. It, I, I feel like the oper- from a fantasy perspective, it could be real good this year because they're going to be playing Bortle ball all year because their defense isn't terrific. So they'll be playing catch up. Um, and that, and that could really work out well for uh, me who drafted, I, I drafted uh, Lawrence at the one Oh three in a startup. So 
Yeah, I my one that just kicked off about an hour ago, and I very happily got Najee Harris at one point five for some reason, which I'm uh, in superflex. Regular, regular. It went. Uh, I'll pull it up really quick, and then I'll give my pick. It went. Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Trevor Lawrence, and then I took Najee Harris at 1.5 to pair with Zeke and Mostert, and I don't remember who oh. else I have. My my running backs aren't great. This is a 14 team or two, so well that worked out good for you though. Yeah, like why why you let Harris fall to 1.5? I mean, I'd have been happy with any of the top three. I would have been least happy with uh, Travis Etienne, but. Uh, I will go Justin Fields. I, I've said before, and I will continue to say, I think, especially now with the landing spot in Chicago and the weapons around him. Uh, you know, I love Urban Meyer and what he was able to do for the Buckeyes, but I, I'm not sold on him and the offense that it's talked about him bringing there. I understand he's got Trevor Lawrence. I think Justin Fields has the higher upside uh, and will be a better fantasy player. So give me Justin Fields here at 1.2 easily. Um you know, a lot of people might go Trey Lance here based on him landing in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan's offense, and I, I can't argue that. But I, I would just I, every time I'm at two, I'm likely taking Justin Fields, uh, who was the second pick as well uh, in the first mock draft. That puts Matt up on the board for two. In the original draft, it was uh, Najee Harris and Jamar Chase off the board uh, by me, Matt. Who did you take here at three and four? Yeah, so. At 103, I took Najee Harris. Um, you, if you're picking down in this uh, first half of the draft, it's probably because your team wasn't uh, incredible. Uh, Superflex, you you do value the quarterbacks, but it's tough. As I said earlier, for me, looking at, at Lance and Wilson and Jones and knowing for sure who's going to play when. Well, we know Wilson will play, but who you know who's going to be better so i went with what i feel like is more of a sure thing especially with harris going first re- to pittsburgh and then at 104 i took kyle pitts um okay a game changer you know i have watched a few different rookie drafts that i've seen go um i've seen him go as early as as 102 um it seems like he's not getting out of the top five just like he didn't in yeah. the actual draft yeah, we actually had in that 16-teamer, me and Dennis are drafting in right now, someone actually dra- traded up from 9 or 10, I think, to 4 to get Kyle Pitts. I was actually trying to trade up, uh, which – tell me which – I'm just curious, and I'll move on. I'm still a little bitter about it, but uh, the dude traded his first-round pick and second-round pick to get David Montgomery and a third, dropping down to 9 – um for no yeah he dropped dead no did he trade his first no he i think he yeah he traded down tonight i offered to give him my first which was 10 and i got his first and his second and uh a first next year for zeke in my first round pick to trade up to get kyle pitts because i'm loaded at running back in that league and he decided to go with the first round pick and and david montgomery which i'm a little confused about I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You know, I felt I, like it was a fair deal. I, I, I don't. This is this one of the leagues where they just go against you out of habit? No, I don't even know who half these people are. To be honest with you, like I know who Dennis and Barker and and Bowers are, but really, I don't know who anybody else is. You know, I some people are out on Zeke. Some people are like he's he's done. I don't want him. I don't want. I don't. He, he may have a decent year this year, but then I'm going to be stuck with him because 
I won't be able to move him for value next year. And so I, I get it. You know, if, if I'm contending and I can get Zeke cheaply, I'm, I'm making the move. I think Zeke's going to have a good year, uh, especially with those wide receivers and uh, Dak Prescott back. So uh, I think Zeke will be just yeah. fine. I just, I, I just don't believe in, in what David Montgomery did in the second half of the season against some of the weak competition in the NFL. But that's just me. I, I, I get well, you. I, if I had David Montgomery, I would have sold high on him too. And and he did. He he sold on him. Got Kyle Pitts, which I, I don't know who his other running backs are. I thought it was a great move by him, the guy who got rid of David Montgomery, because I think Montgomery's a good running back, but I don't think he's going to produce the way he did at the back half of last season. I think he's more the running back too we've seen him be throughout his career. Yeah, right, Montgomery's so probably going to end up somewhere around RB 20 to 26 is kind of where I think yeah. him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so at 105, I'm taking Trey Lance. Again, it, it is a super flex draft, and you know I'd rather I, – I, if it was a regular draft, I'd be jumping on a wide receiver running back here. But Trey Lance, I do think the landing spot in San Francisco is phenomenal. We, we heard San Francisco talking about how much they fell in love with this kid. Clearly, they traded up to get him. Uh, and I think he has all the talent in the world. So I'm taking Trey Lance here. It was Jim, or Travis Etienne that went here in the original draft. That puts Dennis up for two. Again, in the original draft here, it was Zach Wilson and Kyle Pitts, who we've already seen Pitts go. So, Dennis, who are you taking with these next two picks? Well, out of spite, uh, because I'm not a Zach Wilson fan, uh, I'm going to take Jamar Chase, even though it's super flex. Uh, I think Chase is going to land in Cincinnati. He's going to be a stud there. Uh, I think him and T. Higgins are going to be quite the duo. Uh, I, I also think, you know, the potential is there for Tyler Boyd to always be open. And I think Joe Burrow, as much as uh, – he wants to help uh, Jamar Chase break A.J. Green's records. Uh, he's if, if Boyd is always open, Boyd's going to get plenty of targets. Uh, but I like Chase. I think Chase is going to have a really good career. Uh, and then I went Zach Wilson at the 107. You know, he's stepping into a starting role. Uh, they drafted Elijah Vera Tucker. They're going to slot him in next to Makai Becton. So the left side of that offensive line is a pair of bona fide studs. Uh, they di didn't go tight end. Uh, they signed Kenny Yeboah uh, as a un, uh, as a college free agent, and then uh, they got Herndon back. In, and I forget who else they got there. Uh, probably some slow white dude. Uh, but they drafted uh, was it Carter that went there. Yeah, Carter, and they got yeah, Michael the Jets last season. So they're good. I like uh, Denzel Mims and then the trade for Corey Davis. And then I think that uh, – I think Jamison Crowder is playing somewhere else when the season kicks off. And, and, and I think uh, – who was it? Was it Elijah Moore that landed there? Yeah, they yeah. Elijah yeah. Moore. So I think Moore and is going to slot Don't forget him. Yeah, whatever. I think that, that Davis, Moore, and Mims are going to make for uh, – it, it's going to be a season of growing pains because it is a young team, but they, they're putting some resources into the offensive line. And I think uh, Zach Wilson will be okay. I, I don't think he's – I don't, I don't think he's going to set the world on fire. 
but I think he'll be a, a competent quarterback and maybe, you know, an above average, I guess. All right, so that puts, the, that puts me back up here with pick eight, and I'm sure this is a, a snipe here for Matt, but I've got to do it. I've been all – all on Javante Williams uh, for the past year. He went at the same spot earlier, I believe. Uh, one spot or oh, two spots earlier. He went at one ten in the other one. I'm taking him here at one eight. I think great landing spot in Denver. Even if he doesn't see much this year, uh, if they still lean on Melvin Gordon, I think they drafted him for the back of the future, uh, at least for the next couple of years after that. Good receiving back, good runner. We'll see what this offense looks like with the. Uh, it, with Drew Locke moving forward, as I do expect him to beat out Teddy Bridgewater. But Javante, I think, is a great pick there for the Broncos, especially moving up ahead of teams like Atlanta uh, and Miami, who needed a running back uh, and, and snagging him there in the second round. Uh, so that puts Matt up with 9 and 10 in the original draft. As I just mentioned, Javante Williams was at 10, and Trey Lance was at 9. He jumped up uh, just a little bit with the San Francisco landing spot. So, Matt, who are you going here at 9 and 10? Yeah, I like the the Javante pick. Uh, he is still my running back too. Um, but at nine, uh, I think running back still at kind of at a premium in this draft. Uh, I'm going with Travis Atn. It scares me a little bit uh, what Urban Meyer, some of his comments about. You know, I'm glad we we went and got ourselves a third down back. Um, as a James, somebody who rosters a lot of James Robinson, it made me hopeful. But also, it makes me a little weary when you're taking a rookie draft. So I, that's why I I have him, I still have him third, but probably clearly the third best option. And then at ten, I'm taking uh, Devonta Smith, uh, who went to the Eagles. He and Jalen Water were pretty close for me going into the draft. I think the Smith landing spot in Philadelphia might be a little bit better. Yeah, I think the biggest the question we have with Watt, at least for me, is what is Tua really going to be? I do think he fits well. We've talked about it a lot. That, that was like the Same perfect problem landing for spot. Smith, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think – well, and that's going to be the interesting part, too, is I, I see a lot of other people talking about this stuff with, with Philly and what they'll be doing, but – we actually don't know. It's a whole new offense, whole new coaching staff. So I don't know what it's going to be like. But I just, I, I, the one difference I have with Devonta Smith is I don't think I hate this word, but I don't. He's not quite as gadgety as Jalen Waddle is. I think Devonta Smith is just a very good wide receiver. The biggest fear everybody has about him is that how small he is. And I, again, will implore you to put on the tape when he played in games against like Georgia and LSU, where he was getting hit by grown men and was popping right back up. So I don't think the weight's going to be an issue. I mean, yeah, I'm sure I guess if Miles Garrett comes out there in that suit, which just looked like that was fake, the suit that he had on this weekend at the draft, uh, and hits Devonta Smith, it might hurt a little bit, but I, I think overall Devonta Smith is going to be just fine. That now puts Dennis up with – oh, no, that puts me up. Um, Shoot, I thought that was Dennis because I'm not paying attention. Uh, You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Mac Jones here. I've – been high on Mac Jones, higher than most. I think going to New England is the perfect spot. You know, we got in, if you guys are watching our live coverage uh, Thursday night, we got in like massive fights over Mac Jones because I said that I think he is easily a middle tier QB2. I think he could be a like 15 to 20 quarterback every single year once he's named the starter. I, I see him as a Kirk Cousins type. And I've said in Superflex, that matters. You have to have quarterbacks like that because you can't – not everybody's going to have Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray on their team at quarterback. 
only one team or two teams can have those guys. You're not going to have those top three or five guys on your team. And those guys like Matt jo- Mac Jones, who just consistently put up points every single weekend, maybe doesn't have the ceiling, but has a very safe floor matter, especially in super flex formats. And I do think Matt Jones is going to do that for New England. So I will take him here at 11. That puts Dennis up at 112 uh, in the original mock draft at 112 went Mac Jones. And it looks like, Dennis, you're about to take the guy who went at 111 in the last draft. So they flip-flopped a little bit here. Who are you taking with the last pick in the first round? Well, I, I was taking Mac Jones is who I was taking. Um, but I'm going to go with Jalen Waddell. I, I think he, he brings a lot to the table. He's Yeah, he can be gadgety. He can be used gadgety. But he's still a pretty good wide receiver, and he provides a component for that Miami attack that isn't currently there. Uh, he's going to give them some deep threat. You know, they've got some big wide receivers in Parker and Williams. Uh uh, Will Fuller, I guess I take that back. Will Fuller is a pretty good deep threat. So year one, I think Waddle is going to have to earn his playing time. I think if he shows that he can stay healthy and he can uh, provide the same things that Will Fuller does, I think I don't think they signed Fuller to a uh, another contract. I think they let him walk after because he just signed a one-year deal. Um, but then, you know, they'll also have Parker and, and Williams coming up towards the end of their contract. So Waddle is going to have lots of opportunity um, to show that he belongs. He may not provide outstanding numbers in 2020, but I think in 2021, he's going to be near the top of the pecking order. 2021, he may not provide many opportunities, but in 2022, I think Waddle is going to be near the top of the pecking order in Miami. Um, and then at two oh one, I'm gonna I'm gonna recap the first round really quick here for everybody. So just kind of reset, recap the first round. Pick one was Trevor Lawrence. Pick two, Justin Fields. Pick three, Najee Harris. Pick four, Kyle Pitts. Pick five, Trey Lance. Pick six, Jamar Chase. Pick seven, Zach Wilson. Pick eight, Javante Williams. Pick nine, Travis Etienne. Pick ten, Devonta Smith. Pick eleven, Mac Jones. And then pick twelve, Jalen Waddle. That puts you back up here, Matt, uh, Dennis. At two oh one in the original draft was Rashad Bateman. Who also are you taking interesting about that first round is the same twelve players, same players like just yeah. in slightly different order. So I'll I'll be honest. There's only one player that I think might jump up into the first round, and it's based on landing spot, and it's the player that Dennis is about to take right here because I think I mentioned this on our live broadcast. I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's an offensive genius, and I do feel like sometimes we overrate what he does for running backs and the landing spot here was a perfect spot. He does bring something different than any of the other guys do for that team. Dennis, who are you taking here at two one? Well, I'm going to take uh, Trey Sermon and that little Wiley grin you see out there flashing all over Twitter in, in that uh, little gift there. Um, I, you know, Sermon, he hasn't been the type of guy to completely take over a team for an entire season yet. He didn't, he, he, I I don't think he established himself as the, I get all the carries I want when he was in Oklahoma or at Ohio state, you know, he was splitting time with master Teague, who's just a guy. Uh, And then he didn't really get the bulk of the carries until Teague got injured. Now he performed well, but then again, we get to the national championship game and boom, Sermon gets injured again. 
So Sermon has a, a history of, of missing time due to injury. And, and he's going to have the opportunity to go to San Francisco. And he's all, he almost strikes me right now as the perfect zero RB guy because between him and Mostert, you may be able to piece together uh, eight starts apiece and a thousand yards each between the two of them because they provide that amount of dynamics. Uh, but he's got to go in there and win the job. He's a good pass catcher. He's a good blocker. Uh, I, I think that he could work really well with Lance or Garoppolo. And going at, at, at the 201, uh, I, I think it's definitely – now we're looking for upside. We're, we're – uh, not necessarily looking for some somebody we can plug into the lineup every week. We're looking for somebody that can give us a shot to produce some points, and then it'll be well. What can we do? You know, is he going to be consistent? Can he show that he's consistent? So, uh, I like Sermon here at the two hundred one. I think that's great value. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think he's uh, obviously the last uh, real running back here that has any value in my opinion or draft capital at least that, that i'd be willing to take anywhere near the top of the second round that puts me back up here at 202 in the original mock uh, elijah moore went here um rashad bateman went at 2-1 and that's who i'm going to take is rashad bateman i just he was one of my better wide receivers and i'm gambling on, on my next wide receiver i technically had ranked higher than him uh, that i can get later but I, Rashad Bateman, I think, is just a complete wide receiver. I've said it before. I think he's the Justin Jefferson of this class. I think he could break out as a freshman – or a freshman, I'm sorry, a rookie uh, in the NFL. I know, obviously, a lot of people don't love the landing spot there with Baltimore and getting the ball from Lamar Jackson, but I think he just fits that offense and something that they don't have, and I do think that he's going to help Lamar Jackson out in the short game. So I'm taking Rashad Bateman there. That puts Matt up at 2-3 and 2-4. Um, in the original mock, 2-3 and 2-4 were Rondale Moore and Kenneth Gainwell. Matt, who are you taking? Yeah, so at uh, 103, I, I took Najee Harris. So if it's the same um, owner, you know, at 2-3 in, in a linear draft, the values here is wide receiver kind of diversity. I went with uh, Elijah Moore. Um who we just talked about, went to the Jets. I think he has a, a good chance as part of a growing offense. The question is, you know, if he has to end up splitting some time first year, which is possible, but I, I thought that was a good upside pick. Then at 104, uh, I had taken Kyle Pitts. So 204, coming back around that position. I went with Michael Carter, uh, who I I liked that landing. So ironically, I take two Jets, even though um, they're not – I swear they're not my favorite team, uh, but I just like that well, landing spot. I think running back. Last year, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Matt, Matt's I, about to be a fan of the Jets here now this year too. Well, I just I think that running back group is kind of wide open. They signed yeah. Tevin Coleman. They have Lamichael P. Ryan coming back. You draft Michael Carter. You know, went right at the top of the the fourth round, um, which you know we talked about only four running backs taken in the first three rounds. So that's actually pretty high among that position group obviously a need for them. I liked what he did in college. I thought he had some potential. They do too. Uh, I think it's a good spot for him and a good shot for upside. Yeah. So the one thing that worries me about Michael Carter, and, and I'd be curious to get both of uh, your guys' opinions before I give you guys my pick at the two Oh five is 
We know that Mike LaFleur comes from that Kyle Shanahan offensive tree. We've seen Kyle Shanahan do it. Matt LaFleur do it in Green Bay. I know a lot of people are excited for Michael Carter landing there because we all knew the Jets needed a running back, and they finally got it in Michael Carter. But I feel like all three of those guys – well, we don't know, I guess, with Mike LaFleur because he hasn't done anything yet. But we've seen it with Kyle Shanahan and his brother Matt. They use running back by committees. I mean, Aaron Jones a little bit less than what Kyle Shanahan has done in San Francisco, but we still have seen a lot of Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon pop up on there, enough at least to frustrate us Aaron Jones owners. I wonder if that's what we're going to see in New York. I don't. Maybe Michael Carter is still the lead of that, but I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those guys are getting a lot of run there in New York. Do, do either one of you have thoughts on that? Well, I think that's what I would expect right now. Uh, you know, committees are always going to happen unless they're not. You know, there's only, what, four or five guys that, that are committee-proof. After that, they're all committees, and, and the percentage will vary a little bit. But when somebody comes in and shows that they can handle it and giving them that, that load – is what's best for the team, then that's what happens. I don't care how committed to a committee. You know, nobody's putting Saquon Barkley in a committee, even though he's been injured two or three years of his career. Uh, Zeke may be getting to the point where they put him in a committee. But up until now, you know, everybody was fretting last year, oh, Tony Pollard's going to take so many touches from Zeke. Well, I don't think that that's what happened last year. So, uh it's going to be a committee. You just have to accept that and, and pay pay committee prices for the guys. Yeah, I mean, the question to me is probably LaMichael P. Ryan. I think because Tevin Coleman has some experience and is a veteran, he's going to be somewhere in the mix there. They'll have at least two guys, um, but definitely possible. Yeah. It's all three. All right, so at 2-5, uh, here in the first mock, it was uh, Trey Sermon. So he jumped up a couple spots with the landing spot there in San Francisco. And with my first pick, I went Trey Lance. So I just tried to continue the upside trend here, and I went Rondale Moore. And he was the wide receiver I talked about earlier uh, that I'm, I would gamble on dropping a little bit because people are worried about his size. I actually think it's a great landing spot in Arizona. I talked about, you know, for me, and he was in my tier one, and the biggest question for him was going to be that landing spot. Did he land in an offense that could use him the correct way? We saw Kenyon. They moved on from Kenyon Drake. I would not be surprised if they don't use Rondale more a little bit in the running game. A bunch of uh, uh, not spring practice, spring passes. What the hell am I looking? What's the word I'm looking for? I'm caught up in my head now, and I can't think of it. Uh, uh, screen passes, screen passes. There we passes. go. Ton of screen passes. You're going to have DeAndre Hopkins, and, and I know A.J. Green is not what he used to be, but when you have DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and A.J. Green out on the field, you're going to take some coverage away from a guy like Rondell Moore. Obviously, you have to worry a little bit about the injuries with him. We, we've seen all throughout his college career, unfortunately, he suffered some injuries. But I think his explosiveness and landing with a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, like I agree with Dennis, we still haven't really been proven that that college offense is going to work the way at least he's been running it in Arizona. But I think Rondell Moore can work in this offense in Arizona with the way that he could be used. So I'm going Rondell Moore here, a big fan of the landing spot. I think he can be really good for you. 
That puts uh, Dennis up on the clock for the next two picks. In the original mock at six and seven was Terrace Marshall and Amon Ross St. Brown. Dennis, who are you taking here at two six and two seven? You know, at at two oh six, I'm sitting there, and I think to myself, now is where you're you we're fully into the draft for upside. Well, lo and behold, though, one of the biggest upside guys there that draft capital tells us he's gonna get opportunity is Kadarius Tony. I took Kadarius Tony at 106. Landing with the Giants, the last first-round draft pick as far as wide receivers go, and and he just fell. It, you know, at some point, we fantasy people have to make sure we're paying attention to what the NFL people are telling us they're going to do. And in this case, the NFL people are, people are telling us the Kadarius Tony is going to get opportunity. So at 206 with first round draft capital, I'm going to take Kadarius Tony. And maybe it maybe it works out and he he grows into a first round draft worthy player. Maybe he doesn't, but at 206 it's definitely worth the risk. And then at 207 I went with the aforementioned Terrace Marshall. Uh, I like Marshall a lot uh in this position. He has the opportunity to step in and move right into that Curtis Samuel role and and have uh, he's got a defined role in his rookie season right now. All he has to do is make sure he can stay uh, ahead of the uh, the other guys that are vying for targets there. And I got to be honest, I haven't looked at the Carolina depth chart, so I don't know who those other guys are now that Curtis Samuel is gone. I just know there's Robbie Anderson on the outside, DJ Moore on the other side. And Terrace Marshall is going to probably be that third. Yeah, the only guy they signed was David Moore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Marshall is set to is is as much as I think he struggles with drops sometimes. I think he's also primed to have a really good season, especially with them talking about already putting him in the slot with uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the outside. That puts me up with uh, my second to last pick in this mock at two oh eight. Uh, in the original draft at 208, Kadarius Tony went. Amon Ross St. Brown went at 207. I am taking him here at 208. We just talked about him a couple picks ago uh, with Detroit. I think he's, especially with them putting him, talking about putting him in the slot. You know, I know they have Tyrell Williams there, and I know they have Quintez Cephas, and I know they have somebody else that they're Brashad Perriman. They have Brashad Perriman. Amon Ross St. Brown walks in, in my opinion, as the best wide receiver already in that room, and we saw what Cooper Cup was able to do in the slot there with Jared Goff. Amon Ross St. Brown, I think the rocket ship emoji up, he is going to have, if it's not this year, Clearly, the Lions seem committed, at least for now, to Jared Goff and the fact they didn't even try and get a quarterback when they could have at that seven pick. Uh, wheels up for, for Amon Ross St. Brown moving forward. I think he's a great player to begin with, great landing spot. I think he he's in for at least a good couple seasons there with Jared Goff. That puts Matt up with his last two picks of the draft. At 2-9 and 2-10 in the original mock was Tylen Wallace and Pat Fryermuth. Matt, where are you going here at 2-9 and 2-10? First of all, I'd just like to say I despise going behind you. Um, <laughs> this is the second match of Ross. I was like, as you're typing, I'm like, don't you do it. Don't 
Hey, I was I was surprised Dennis so, didn't do it. I, re- I really I was going to sit here and be like, I'm going to have to pump up Terrace Marshall after I spent the whole weekend, you know, crapping on the dude. But thankfully, Dennis took him. I could talk about a player I liked. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, as Dennis mentioned, you're kind of into the portion where you're looking for some upside. I went uh, at 209. I went with Amari Rodgers, praying that Aaron Rodgers uh, stays in Green Bay. Uh, if he does, this feels like a, a good potential upside we've talked about for a long time. That uh, past Devontae Adams, the receiver group in Green Bay uh, gets wafer thin. Um, you know, they got MVS, they have Equinemius St. Brown, they have uh, Alan Lazard. I liked the Amari Rogers pick. I think there's potential now. If Aaron Rodgers goes and they end up. There's a variety of poor options they could end up with. Um, they could always trade for Andy Dalton. There's a variety of poor options they could end up with. So, and then at two ten, I went with Ramondre Stevenson. I liked the landing spot. Running back is going to be a little bit of a a crapshoot, but I I think there's potential for him to kind of be a a, a goal line back. My guess would be they don't want to have an offense where they're suiciding Cam Newton into the end zone play after play again. Uh, but they seem to like that heavy package. I think he's a guy that, that could end up doing some work there uh, and returning some fantasy value. Yeah. That was probably the one pick I hated the most out of the entire weekend. You know, all uh, I, I traded for Damian Harris in a couple of leagues last year. Uh, you know, m- most notably my big dynasty league. I talked about that trade a lot and giving up DeAndre or no, it wasn't DeAndre Hopkins. That was a different deal. But I got back like Damian Harris, Josh Allen in a first round pick for something. I don't remember what I traded at this point. All in on Damian Harris taking over that job. And it looked great up until Ramondre Stevenson went again. They lost James White. Sony Michelle seems to be dead to the whole Patriots organization. And now I think the exact same thing's going to happen this year that happened last year. And Damian Harris is going to be great between the 20s. And then as soon as they get down in the red zone, here comes Ramondre Stevenson in like good old like Garrett Blunt to vulture all of the touchdowns. So uh, I do I think that's a great pick. I do agree. I think he's got some, uh, some very good uh, fantasy value because I, I agree. I don't think they want Cam Newton running in. And Ramondre Stevenson can do that. He will definitely run over a couple of guys. Now that puts me up with my last pick here at 211. Uh, in the original mock, that was Michael Carter. Uh, obviously, he went way earlier now with the draft capital. Uh, with this first pick, I went Mac Jones. This one, I think, much like me taking Mac Jones there at uh, the 111 with quarterback completely drying up. I hate to say this, but I feel like tight end now dries up after this pick in Pat Fryer. I don't love, you know, like I like Hunter Long, but don't love the landing spot there in Miami with Mike Gusecki. I still don't know why Brevin Jordan fell to the fifth round to Houston, and I don't know who the Houston quarterback is going to be because if it's Davis Mills, I'm out on Brevin Jordan as well. So it, it's a very thin class. What if it's Tyrod Taylor? I actually wouldn't hate that as much. But, again, my thing, my biggest fear with Brevin Jordan is they've had a guy like that on the roster in Jordan Akins for a couple of years, and that dude has done absolutely nothing. I think Brevin Jordan's better than Jordan Akins, but we haven't seen them use – Jordan Akins at all in that way. So I have no faith that Brevin Jordan's going to be used that way. So I think it really dries up after Pat Fryermuth. So that's what I'm taking here. You know, we talked a little bit about it in our group chat. At least you and me did, Matt, back and forth when they made the pick. I think it was a great pick by Pittsburgh. You know, we talked about it last week. 
really good blocker, and he can do a lot in the passing game as well. I don't think Eric Ebron is going to be much of anything there. I think Pat Fryermuth is already a better blocker than what Eric Ebron brings, so I would not be surprised if Pat Fryermuth is out there a little bit more than Ebron um, and could catch, catch some passes there from Big Ben, as we've seen. Uh, whether it's the arm or whatever happened last year, he didn't seem to want to throw the ball more than 15, 20 yards. Well, that's where Pat Fryermuth is going to be working there in that same area with Deontay Johnson. So I think Pat Fryermuth could do some good things in Pittsburgh. That puts Dennis up here with the last pick here in the mock draft. Unfortunately, this was uh, Jamar Jefferson in the first one. Uh, pretty sure that's not who Dennis is going to take here. So, Dennis, who are you taking with the last pick in the mock draft here? Well, be- before I, I draft this, tell you who the, the steal of the draft is. So Ramondre Stevenson, I, I, I agree with most of the premise you've put out there, but here's what I would like to, to propose as a real and true scenario. Um, what kind of quarterback did Josh McDaniels effectively run a multiple – Super Bowl winning team with. The kind wasn't Cam Newton. The kind was Mac Jones. Mac Jones, if Mac Jones puts it together in his head, he's going to run away with the quarterback job in in New England because he's he's every bit has the as much arm strength as Brady ever had. He's every bit he's more mobile. Mac Jones's 40 time was like a half a second faster than Brady's. So he, he's if he puts it together in his head, I think he runs away with the quarterback job. Now the downside of it is is they're pretty they're pretty rough at, at wide receiver. They've got a couple nice tight ends. but it, I wouldn't be surprised to see Matt come out of training camp as the starter. Um, but at 212, I'm going with the guy who potentially could get volume. Who's a who? He's a riser. He went uh, third round towards the end of the third round. Got a lot more draft capital than than you would have expected. Is from somebody who uh, had to endure uh, a year of quarterbacking by Shea Patterson. Uh, I went with Nico Collins. That Houston team is is a mess. The best I think they can hope for this year is that Dave Culley is a steadying hand and just can can sort of keep things balanced. They've got issues at running back with DJ getting old, uh, Philip Lindsay, an undrafted free agent who was let walk from Denver. He, he's got some history, but he's he's a smaller guy and. After two 1,000-yard seasons, Lindsey started to show some wear and tear. Uh, Wide receiver-wise, they got Brandon Cooks, who for all of the reputation Cooks has for being injury-prone, he's only missed like three games in the past five years. Uh, But the injury, when he does have an injury, it's to his head, and it only takes one more of those to end your career. So with Isaiah Coulter there, Kiki Kuti, Uh, Nico Collins has a real opportunity to be the surprise of the draft and come out of this rookie season. You know, I I think that I think that the Texans are going to be better uh, or maybe more productive is a better word than last year's New York Jets. 
They may end up with the same record, but I think their offense will be more productive than last year's New York Jets. And that bodes well for Nico Collins. 6'4", 215-pounder, very athletic. Uh, I I like the opportunity there. Yeah, and he should have uh, a ton of it, as you just mentioned. So to recap the second round, with the first pick goes Trey Sermon, second Rashad Bateman, third Elijah Moore, fourth Michael Carter, fifth Rondale Moore, sixth Kadarius Toney, seven Terrace Marshall Jr., eight Amon Ross St. Brown, nine Amari Rogers, ten Ramondre Stevenson, eleven Pat Fryermuth, and twelve Nico Collins. So that will do it for us today. We've got a possible show on Thursday. I might be running solo as Dennis has got some stuff going on. And Matt, as you mentioned, I think at the top of the pod, yeah, he yeah. is on vacation. He will be uh, in Vegas. Uh, we don't know the uh, location or anything yet. We've been told that, as you know, we all know everything, whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. So we've been told Matt's going to go zero uh, thirty dark uh, here once he enters. Vegas. Actually. Yeah, I take off. So tomorrow is my fortieth birthday. Happy so, birthday! Uh, we're he- tomorrow. Yeah, Happy we're birthday. heading out, uh, staying at MGM Grand, and Thursday is actually the day my wife got a private cabana at the pool. So I'll be poolside, hopefully relaxing, probably checking my phone, seeing if I'm in any rookie drafts I don't realize I'm in. Yeah, there's a lot of them that started up uh, today that I forgot about. I've been getting messages from some people like, hey, bro, you're on the clock. Oh, shit, that started. I'm mad. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe I'll just jump on and do a quick uh, any news up. Maybe we'll, you know, have some kind of resolution to all the Aaron Rodgers debacle, which we didn't even touch on today. but uh, well, maybe we'll see. If not, you will catch all of us back here again on Monday. Everybody enjoy your weeks, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't